1: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is March 5th, 2020. My name is Philip rossman i can be expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at underscore omd On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk about the Magic's of loss to the Miami Heat as well as take a step back and look at the job that Steve Clifford has done this year. We'll talk about all that coming up in just a moment, but before you do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network by searching wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Miami Heat after Wednesday's game? Check out Locked On Heat. Want to look ahead to Friday's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves after their win over the Chicago Bulls? Check out Locked On Timberwolves. We thank them for that win over the Bulls, in fact. No matter which team you're interested in, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, MLB, College, or NHL too, there is a Locked On podcast for you. Plus, we have great national podcasts like Locked On NBA, Rejecting the Screen, and the Hollinger and Duncan NBA show. No matter what team you're looking for, again, across all different kinds of leagues, there's a Locked On podcast for you. Just search Revy Download Podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Wednesday's game against the Miami Heat was a three-point contest, which is odd considering that the storyline heading in was about the meeting of the two dunk contest finalists, um no no don't not many dunks between the two to be perfectly honest so we'll we'll both we'll give them both a 10 and let them go home with the trophy but this game was all about three point shooting the heat were hitting threes a franchise record for a single game record for them in fact the magic were hitting threes not a single game record for them but still quite a lot for this group and of course it would come down to a three point shot The Magic, down by three, having scrambled back from an eight-point deficit with about four minutes to play, needed to get one good shot off. And they needed, you know, off an inbounds play at that. He'd scrambled to try and keep the ball out of Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross's hands, and so it came to Aaron Gordon in the corner. And he got a good shot off. He got a good look. Jay Crowder was there, but not too close, didn't want a foul. You know, perhaps he should have fouled once Aaron Gordon hesitated a little bit, but that's, that's a philosophical debate for another day. Aaron Gordon got a fairly clean look, contested but clean, and had the chance to tie the game. But it fell no good, and the Orlando Magic lost 116-113 to 113 to the Miami Heat. As always with close games, everyone tends to focus on that last play. Why didn't the ball go to Terrence Ross? Why didn't it get to Evan Fournier? Well, they were both covered. And Magic players after the game, unlike the loss to San Antonio, uh, which also happened at the last second. So again, the Magic have two games here that could very easily flip the other way. And they didn't, and that matters. But players seem to believe that they executed at least that last play as well as they could have. They got a good look. That's all you can ask for on the road. And it didn't go in. That happens. Honestly, you can move with that. But again, the Magic did leave one on the board. And, disappointingly, left one on the board. In a close, in a close game in the fourth quarter, the Heat made the play. So, again, it, I don't feel like it was like the San Antonio game, where you know the Magic kind of let go of the rope a little bit, gave up a big lead. They, they were never in control. They were always chasing in this one. But they left one on the board, nonetheless. Their defensive energy was solid most of the game. Not perfect. They they, they still made a ton of mistakes. And we'll get into some of that here in a moment. They made a ton of mistakes. But they kept themselves in the game. Offensively, the ball moved fairly well. It found the open players. They got to the basket. I mean, yes, fourth quarter, especially uh, when the game got tight... There were some bad shots taken. The the spacing wasn't great at times. They got stagnant a little bit, but largely for this game, that was not the the rule. That was the exception. I I, I have to say, yes, no moral victories. Yes, the Magic should have won the game, and we'll talk about why they didn't here in a moment. The Magic played a really good game. They played a game that they should have won. And, And that's the disappointing part, was they gave a winning effort. Again, the defense wasn't perfect, and when you're play you know, if they were playing New York or, or or worse team, Miami's a good team. Like like that that you know, Steve Clifford even said it after the game. That is a good team. This is a tough place to play. No shame in losing to Miami by three points on the road. No shame at all. With with a chance to tie the game and send it to overtime. No shame. No excuse, but no shame. The Magic did everything they needed. They dominated the paint. They were solid on the glass, except for two instances. Gave up two offensive rebounds late in the fourth quarter, which hurt the team, no doubt about it. But again, as it has been all year with this Magic team, it is the little things. It is the attention to detail for a full 48 minutes. And frankly, we have not seen the Magic play with the attentiveness and intensity for a full 48 minutes, probably since the beginning of the season, so at least defensively on that end. They've not played up to that level. And and it showed, obviously, because despite, you know, largely it felt like playing a solid game. They gave up 116 points. They gave up a franchise record 22 three-pointers, or a Miami Heat record 22 three-pointers in the game. Duncan Robinson in the first half had seven of his Nine three-pointers. That's right, nine three-pointers. And a lot of that came from just moving without the basketball, giving the ball up and immediately cutting. You'd see players kind of take a breath almost once Robinson got rid of the ball, and that's when he would attack them. You would see the magic miss rotations or be late to recognize a, 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 a pass going to the corner or where the pass was going next. Uh, turnover on offense leading in transition to a three-pointer. That's what this Heat team does. They find the three-point line and they bury you with three-pointers. There's no coincidence that Miami played this way. This is how the Heat play. And so again, all credit to Miami, they won the game. They deserve to win the game, I would say. The Magic put in a winning effort, but Missed those little keys. Because, I mean, uh, we'll go through the box score here in a moment, but if you're playing the Miami Heat and you hold Jimmy Butler to 12 points and just nine field goal attempts, and you hold Bam Adebayo to 10 points and nine field goal attempts, two all star players scoring a total of 22 points, I'm sorry. That is a that should be a winning defensive effort. Should be, but unfortunately it wasn't because they didn't guard the three point line. Because Gordon Dragic was able to weave his way through the lane and, and hit threes. And you now I, I should clarify this too: a lot of these three pointers were well contested. The Heat had an abnormally good shooting day. You know the the, the Magic were in the game, down by three. And Gordon Dragic tries to pump fake and draw a foul and shoots it, banks it off the window, goes in. That, that, that happens. Next possession, Duncan Robinson comes around a screen at the top of the queue to receive a pass, hits a shot over, you know, a player contesting. That happens. Does it again in the next possession. That happens. So all of a sudden, a three-point deficit became 15 very, very quickly. The heat's largest of the game. And it was just a matter of the magic having to weather the storm and stay confident in what they were doing and that what they were doing is right, was right, and they would get back in the game. And, and that's exactly what happened. So again, the magic played a largely winning effort, but it was the brief moments of mistakes, of losing focus, of losing that attention to detail. That second unit in the second quarter really struggling on that end. It was those brief moments that ultimately hurt the magic. It was those brief moments that cost them game and against a quality opponent, which Miami is, you know, fourth in the Eastern Conference, you know, very, very good at home. Against a quality opponent, that is enough to make you lose. That is enough. If there is solace, it is that the Magic, I thought, did play a very good game. Not good enough. And, and the Magic have to find that extra inch, as, as, as Al Pacino might say, in, in any given Sunday. But, so, uh, you know, I, I feel good that they're trending back in the right direction. You know, they, they, they took they took the loss to Portland on Monday very hard. And now, they're hopefully directing that energy in a positive direction. And, and, and you know, they're facing a game Friday that they have to win. Um, you know, Minnesota's the only non-playoff team that they're facing on this road trip. They need to win that game they got to take care of their business in that game and find a way to, to scratch out another win on this road trip. Because, you know, once they get home, you know, again, not a deep breath because because it's the NBA, but when they get home, they're, they're 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 facing a schedule that they should be able to manage and pick up a lot of wins. And if, if, if fans are looking for a reason to come to the Amway, Amway Center and get excited and watch a team that's winning, it, it, you know, the schedule would say it's coming up. But, again, Magic got to take care of their business and take care of their own business. And that's going to be about fine-tuning the details. And that frankly includes the coach who admitted a huge error in this game. And we'll talk about that here coming up in just a moment. But before we do that, let's run through the final box where you're probably yelling at me because I haven't mentioned this guy's name yet. I talked so much about the defense because we're going to talk more about the offense in this section of the podcast. So let's talk about Terrence Ross. To me, this was the best Terrence Ross game I think we've seen in a Magic uniform. 35 points, 12 for 18 shooting, 8 for 10 from beyond the arc. Um, you know, pretty much club trillion the rest of the way, but... Um, uh, just a masterful shooting performance from Terrence Ross. Since the All-Star break, he has been playing fantastic. I don't know what they had at the beach that he was at, but it, it worked. Um, it's, it's worked a little bit for every 42, but, but not as much. Um, Ross is Ross is back you know, fairly consistently now, playing like he did last year. And certainly this game was, I, I felt, a notch above. He was hitting some very difficult shots. Just like the Magic couldn't kind of keep track of Duncan Robinson... The, the Heat couldn't keep track of Terrence Ross. And, and he matched Robinson, you know, not shot for shot, but once he got himself going, he scored 17 of his 35 in the second quarter. He hit big shot after big shot. Every time the Heat hit a three in the second half, he seemed to have an answer. And that just kept the magic afloat and gave them the energy they needed to make this a close game and, and really keep it close, even when Miami looked like they were pulling away a little bit uh, toward the end of the fourth quarter. Um, you know, Ross has always had that ultimate green light and I think his shot selection has become a little bit better. I think he still takes maybe one or two shots that I'm just like that that's a bad shot. Don't take that. Um, but overall he's doing a better job getting around screens, getting his guy into screens, uh, you know avoiding traps, avoiding blitzes, you know catching the ball in a position where he can make a shot. And frankly, the other part of it too here is Ross has been the b- biggest beneficiary, I think of Aaron Gordon's newfound playmaking. Um, the fact that the Magic now have, you know, Markel Fultz and Aaron Gornoup can both kind of create off the dribble a little bit. Uh, that has helped Ross get spot-up opportunities, which, you know, you know we see him shoot a lot off screens. He's one of the best players shooting off screens in the entire league right now. Him, him being a spot-up shooter is still much more efficient. Um, you still want him getting spot-up opportunities, and, you know, when teams have to run him off the line, he's very good at taking a step in, taking a sidestep, and getting a shot off anyway. So, um, it, it, it was... The, uh, this to me was Terrence Ross's best performance in a Magic uniform. Um, he kept them in this game. He kept them alive, kept them afloat, and, and gave them the energy they needed to to nearly pull this one out. And, and that's that's Terrence Ross's job. It's it's not his job necessarily to finish games. It is to get them to the finish line. It's to give them the spark they need to you know maybe turn a blowout turn a close win into a blowout or turn a, a, a lot you know kind of a, a, a blowout loss into a close game. And and that's. That's what he did in this game. So, a really strong effort from Terrence Ross. Nikola Vucevic also played really, really well in this one. 22 points, 9 for 16 shooting, 1 for 3 from beyond the arc, 16 rebounds, and 7 assists. Um, I thought Vucevic did really... I mean, the Magic did a really good job taking advantage of switching that Miami did. Anytime a guard or, or anytime Bam Adebayo switched off Vucevic... They would dump the ball to him in the post, force Miami to double, which they did, and Vucevic made some really nice passes overall to get his teammates open and, and to get them open shots and get them open lanes. And when he did post up, when he did shoot, he largely made his shots. Um, you know, he's one for three on three-pointers, so the right number of three-pointers too. Um, he wasn't hanging around the perimeter. He was in the paint. And again, that's why the Magic were able to see in this game. Orlando outscored Miami 52-36 to in the paint. Um, they did a really good job establishing themselves in the lane and 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 getting easy baskets. And Vucevic, I thought, played some pretty solid defense too. That there are a few moments where I felt like he didn't, he was not aggressive enough, challenging mid-range shooters, um, and, and a little too focused on protecting the lane. But he was decisive. And again, I, as, as I've said with Vucevic, it's better to, it's better to make a choice and be wrong than to not make a choice and try to do both and try to do whatever whatever you're choosing between, try to do both. You, you can't do that in this league. You've got to make a choice even if you're wrong. Um, uh, and I thought he did a good job of that. And I thought he was very active in defending the rim and defending the paint. Um, and, and honestly, his defense looked like it did last year where you know he was very effective at corralling and containing ball handlers. And And that's really the big thing. The Magic's problem defensively was on the perimeter. It was... You know, D.J. Augustine struggling to get through screens. There's Evan Fournier struggling some to get through screens. There's Markel Fultz struggling to get through screens. There's Michael Carter-Williams really struggling to get through screens. Car- this is not one of Carter-Williams' best games overall. Um, the problem was on the perimeter with the three-point shooting and then scr- and then scrambling and, and kind of defensive awareness and then transition. Um, that, that, that's where the Magic really struggled in this game. So Vucevic, you know, you know a lot of people criticize him, and, and I, I know I've been critical of him too. Deserves some credit. He, he did. He did a really good job in this game. And the Magic played him 39 minutes. They trusted him a ton. Um, you know, he, he, he sat all, but probably like two, three minutes in the in the second half. Um, that's that's how important the Magic felt like this game was. I, I did think Clifford sold out to get this game, um, and unfortunately, the Magic couldn't couldn't pull it out in the end. Evan Fournier had a solid game as well. 17.6 for nine shooting, three for four from beyond the arc. Um, made his shots. You know, that's that's about all I could say. Um, defensively, he got. Part of the assignment on Jimmy Butler, I thought he did a good job on Butler. Butler, again, scored only 12 points, but had eight assists. Um, Did a good job keeping him in front, not letting him get all the way to the basket. There were maybe one or two occasions, and Aaron Gordon deserves credit with that too. uh, As does James Ennis. It was a team effort. They threw a lot at Jimmy Butler. Um, I'll I'll mention it here, but we'll talk a little bit more in depth about about it later. Steve Clifford said after the game that the big focus and shoot-around was containing Jimmy Butler. And, And so... The magic certainly did that. If, if that was the strategy, if that's what they wanted to do, they did it. it, it what they neglected is the thing, is the important thing, um, which we'll talk about uh, coming up in just a moment. Um, Aaron Gordon also a nice game. Eleven points, five for ten shooting, not six rebounds, nine assists. Um, early on in the game, and, and we see this a lot. Um, Gordon was a little wild and out of control driving to the basket, and and that's when he struggles. Um, when he's just playing a little too fast, and I don't mean you know I want him running, and it's not that I don't want him running. It's when he's kind of you could kind of tell when he's kind of all over the place. But when he plays under control, when he plays with poise, he he makes really good plays and makes really good reads. And and you know Gordon's really developed as a passer over the last you know pr- pretty much week you know couple weeks, uh, and and that's been a huge boost to the offense. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Gordon has started playing a lot better with his playmaking. And the offense has jumped up too. Um, you know, I think that's—I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that the, that those two things relate. And I don't—you know—honestly, I'll say this too. I mean, I think there'll still be games where the Magic miss a lot of open shots. I don't think this offensive spurt we're seeing from the team is fake. Um, you know, they had a bad game Monday. But I, I think overall, Orlando's figured something out offensively. And, and now, the, of course, the trick is playing defense. I think Gordon spent a lot of energy defensively, and that's why some of his offense was a bit off. But the Magic did get him in the post a few times. Made a couple of nice post moves. Um, was, was relatively active around the basket, too. So, uh, you know, not, not a fantastic Aaron Gordon game, not like a hallmark Aaron Gordon game, but a very solid one nonetheless. Other notable scores, Arkel Fultz had 14 points, 6 assists on 6-for-10 shooting, Michael Carter Williams with ten points off the bench. Uh, Mo Bamba missed all three of his shots, did not score, two, two, uh, two rebounds uh, in seven eighteen. Again, Nikola Vucevic playing a lot of minutes. Orlando shoots fifty two point four percent from the floor, thirteen for thirty from beyond the arc. Um, they have you know they they have twenty eight assists on forty four field goal makes, only twelve turnovers and eleven stocks in the game. The Miami Heat though shoot fifty one point nine percent. So again, Orlando outshoots Miami, but twenty two of forty four from beyond the arc. You know, six offensive rebounds. Those six seemed killer, especially with the margin for error for the Magic. Um, Duncan Robinson leads the way with 27 points. Goran Dragic off the bench with 25 points and nine assists. Again, Jimmy Butler only 12 points with seven rebounds, eight assists. Bam Adebayo only 10 points. The Magic do a good job on the Heat's All Stars, but it's the other characters, it's the outside shooting that ultimately hurt the Magic and ultimately brings us to our big question of the day. As Steve Clifford opened up his press conference after the game, he made a very clear and somewhat surprising statement. He put the blame for Duncan Robinson going off for seven three-pointers in the first half and nine for the game. Completely on himself. He said that was a mistake in preparation. We did not go over our plan B with Duncan Robinson and what we needed to do to cover him and shoot around, we only have so much time. We only have so much focus. I chose to focus on what we're doing with Jimmy Butler and our schemes to stop Jimmy Butler. And so we neglected, you know, one of the best three-point shooters in the league or what our plans would be with him. We stuck to our base plan, and when that didn't work, we, we struggled to adjust a little bit. They did adjust. They did make some some changes at halftime, and they clearly worked. Again, only two three-point makes in the second half, and Orlando climbed back into the game. So, you know, it, it, it was definitely a big thing. But for a coach like Steve Clifford to admit this kind of failure, or admit this kind of mistake, it's, it's not insignificant. Now, I, I think Cliff does things in the media sometimes to deflect attention away from things. Um, You know, he the, 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 we've seen him go on kind of no question press conference where he just kind of gets his point across makes it very clear what the expectations are and I think you know some of that is performative you know I think that he does tell the team those things um but I think some of it with the media is a little performative I think he's you know trying to sh- trying to show fans that that this level is not acceptable it's' it's, it's very much culture changing which is which is good i I, I don't I don't disagree I don't dislike it as a media member I kind of dislike it because we have questions to a- ask but but I, I don't dislike it. I, I get what he's trying to do there. This too is... This admission that he made on, on Wednesday is also perhaps a bit performative too. I think to some extent he's trying to deflect blame away from the players. You know, he's he's not a moral victory guy. He does not believe in moral victories. And, you know, someone asks him a question, someone in the media contingent in Miami... Asked him a question that kind of verged on a moral victory type question. And he said, two, three years ago, that might have been the case, but not now. We need to win this game. And I said, yes, I agree. I I, I, I seek the positive in everything. You know, I might point it out online, but I agree completely. This is a game the Magic should have won. They played winning basketball and they needed to find a way to win these kinds of games. And certainly it's, it's, that's part of the problem that this team is facing. But for a coach like Steve Clifford to admit publicly that he made a failure in preparation is a big deal. Steve Clifford is a coach that is all about preparation. He is all about the details and doing things the right way and doing things the way that they need to be done to be successful. I've heard, I think I've heard players say that they have not seen scouting reports as detailed as the ones that, that Steve Clifford puts out. Again, it's not a knock on any other coach, but that's just how he's wired. So for him to say publicly, again, even if it is performative, we did not prepare the way we needed to prepare, and that's on me, is not insignificant. Yes, the Magic are probably going to make the playoffs, whether it's the eighth seed or the seventh seed, and that is the baseline goal. That is something that I have driven toward, and I have discussed over and over and over and over again this year as important. I I, I hope in my discussions about it that I've made clear that it is not the end goal. It does not equal success for the season, but it is necessary the season to be a success. It's not essential, but it is necessary. And the Magic are likely to achieve this goal. But that does not mean anyone is satisfied with that. When we look back at the season, we'll probably be looking at the worst playoff team in Magic history. When we look back at the season, we'll be looking probably back at the lost potential and the lost opportunity this team had maybe not to be a top-four seed or anything, or to compete with the elite of this league, but to make a clear, tangible step forward to, to very clearly be better than they were last year. I think, ultimately, we will all look back at this season not as a grave disappointment, but as a season that did not live up to its potential. And you could go down the line... Outside of probably Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac and Evan Fournier. No one has lived up to their expectations. No one has lived up to the player the Magic wanted them to be at the beginning of the season. Or what the Magic hoped, or at least fans hoped, they would be at the beginning of the season. And the players have a lot to say in a lot of these matters. It is not... They they hold responsibility. But as I think many people are coming to understand or many people are seeing as as the same things happen over and over and over again, Steve Clifford shares his blame for where the Magic are at this year. As I've said, and I'm sure I've said this when the Magic hired Steve Clifford, you can go way back into the archives here on Locked on Magic, back to when the Magic hired Steve Clifford. Um, Steve Clifford is a foundation-building coach. What he did in Charlotte is what he's done in Orlando. He has built a base from, from which habits can grow. He has implemented a system, a print, you know, principles, whatever you want to call them, so that players can be put in positions to succeed and compete, even for something small like making the playoffs. That is essentially his main job and his main role as the coach of the Orlando Magic. And it's hard to argue with the results. The Magic made the playoffs last year. They were top 10 defense last year. They're top 10 defense again this year, despite their struggles recently. Um, although that may have changed. I haven't looked, looked yet. And the team is likely heading back to the playoffs again. So, again, the results are all there. It's, it, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be critical of Steve Clifford here, but I'm not at all in any way calling for him to be fired. He is. I'm not at all in any way saying that his job is somehow not safe. It is very safe. This is their coach right now. This is the guy that this front office believes in. He has delivered for them. He is not going anywhere in the near future. But there are flaws in that foundation-building coach. A foundation-building coach is about consistency. If you're building a foundation, you want to build that foundation strong. And so you make sure every brick is in its place. And it ain't Jenga, you don't move those bricks around. Once something works, you stick with them. And this intransigence is part of the struggle this season. I'm not out here saying Steve Clifford should be throwing, you know, everything against the wall and, and be trying out lineups that he's never seen before in meaningful minutes. I'm not saying that at all. But, what I would say, what I do think has happened this year, as Clifford has had some ideas Built, you know, built his rotation, built the built, you know, kind of the groups that he thinks would work, and has been a bit slow to change them when they aren't working, or a bit slow to recognize they aren't working, or frankly not being that imaginative as far as how to deploy the players he has. Nikola Vucevic shooting five three pointers a game is not the way to go. In fact, Clifford has said, I've got to find more ways to get Vooch in the post at an earlier point in the season. It's, it, it's definitely something that they're aware of, and yet that hasn't translated to the court. The Magic offense, they promised us, would play at a faster pace, would get up and down the floor more. And, and while they, they have done that to some extent, the Magic played one of the slowest possessions for 48 minutes in the entire league and even beyond that the way they execute their offense in the half court is incredibly slow the message to pick up the pace has not been delivered yet and maybe that's personnel maybe that's something else but the team hasn't quite reached that level and of course then we've seen the humongous slippage on defense over the last few weeks the Magic aren't playing defense at that level that they expect it to. Then you look at rotation decisions. Markel Fultz playing with D.J. Augustin has largely been a lineup that works, but it is still odd to see Fultz off the ball when he is not the shooter of the group. He's kind of fixated on a rotation and, and stuck with it a little bit too long. That was, of course, the case last year. Let's not, uh, let's be real. While Clifford found the right group and doubled down on it and maximized it as much as he could, it took several things going on to make that happen. It took Jaron Grant getting hurt and Isaiah Briscoe getting an opportunity. It took Mo Bamba getting hurt and Cam Burch stepping into the rotation. It took him 50 or so games just to settle in on the right rotation to maximize the group. And again, once he found it, he exploited it brilliantly. Last year was a brilliant coaching job by Steve Clifford. And I still think he's a very, very good coach. I think it's this is a very deeply flawed roster. There are some things that I would do that, that I that I don't think Cliff has done quite yet. Uh, I would trust Markel Fultz a lot more at this point. I would actually look to, and, and, and if, if he's looking for a way to ease into it, what I would do is I would put Play Fultz the starting lineup, which again was a huge move for him early on in the season. By the way, I, you know I, I say all this about not being flexible, and, and he made a huge move and a huge risk five games in the season to start Marco Fultz, and it was the absolute right decision. And he did it early too. I didn't think it, I didn't think it would happen that early. I thought it was still a few games away. But you know, again, kudos to him that deserves credit, that deserves a shout out. But what I would do is start Fultz, play him the first four or five minutes. Bring him into the bench to play, put Augustine in because DJ Augustine and Nikola Vucevic have really good chemistry and then use Fultz with the second unit so he can play with Mo Bamba and I think that would be a way to get more out of Mo Bamba than, than what they've gotten previously. That, that would be my big rotation change if, if, if you're going to ask me what, what it would be. But again, while well, the starters have struggled recently, while well, a whole lot of things haven't progressed linearly, or have just flat out not worked. Change has been very, very slow. And again, the question does have to be asked: whether, whether, you know, some of the offensive troubles are just Clifford has never been known as a good offensive coach. Clifford's struggles to get the most out of his players, to maximize his players, to put them, as he would say, in the right spots or in better spots to score has been one of the stories of the season. For sure. This is not the same coaching job that Clifford had last year. It's been a much different challenge, and he would say every season's different, of course. So yes, it is a different challenge. And at the end of the day, I still think he's the right coach for the group. I I, I do, I I don't. I'm I'm saying all this, but I don't think again. I don't think Clifford's in trouble, and I don't think he's the wrong coach for the group. But everyone has their flaws, and Clifford's flaw is very much the foundation building leads to. You know, when you're building a foundation and you're pouring in wet cement, it hardens. And his flaw has been his inability to make those adjustments. They made a great in-game adjustment on, t- on Duncan Robinson. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is finding ways to maximize your players. And this year, frankly, again, the players have struggled. And Steve Clifford has struggled. Unfortunately, the foundation he has built is still strong enough to get them to the playoffs. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Music, Search or tune in Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places on the podcast to your podcast enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rosser Mike. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic.